<laughs> Y'all ready? Crowley, appreciate them ladies singing tonight. Did a good job. Appreciate them singing, serving the Lord. Uh, did a good job. Take your Bible. Turn to 2 Kings with me, chapter 7. 2 Kings chapter 7. We'll set these down. We'll turn to 2 Kings chapter 7. Won't be long tonight. Um, had a good service, haven't we? Amen. Able to hear these two young men preach, these ladies sing, and this Nikki play, and all that's going on tonight. We appreciate what the Lord has done already. We won't be long. We do have food for you. Don't have school tomorrow, so we're not too worried about it. But uh, we're going to take a few minutes here and look in God's Word and see what He'd have for us tonight. You take your Bible, turn to um, 2 Kings chapter 7. Let's look at verse number 9. We're going to cover a lot of the, uh, the, the rest of this, this passage, but we'll read just verse number 9. Let's all stand real quick, and we'll, we'll do that for the reading of God's Word, and then I'll have prayer, and you can be seated. Verse number 9, 2 Kings chapter 7, it says, Then they said one to another, We do not well. This day is a day of good tidings, and we hold our peace. If we tarry to the morning light, some mischief will come upon us. Now therefore come, that we may go and tell the king's household. So today I'm going to preach on this subject of, there, verse number 9, we do not well. We're going to talk about the sin of silence, the sin of silence. Let's pray and you can be seated. Dear Lord, we love you, God. We thank you for the good uh, messages that we've heard. Lord, how your word has spoke to our hearts already. God, we thank you for the good special and singing these young ladies brought to us. Lord, how that glorified you. Uh, Lord, we thank you for that. Uh, Lord, we thank you for our young people. And Lord, their eagerness and willingness uh, to, to serve you in, in your church, God, uh, the thing that you love. And Lord, we thank you for that. Now, Lord, we come to this time of, of preaching. Lord, I pray that you just help me. Lord, help me remember those things that have studied, the things that you've placed upon my heart. And Lord, I pray that you'd speak to us. Uh, Lord, I know this is something that you've convicted my, my soul about. And uh, Lord, I pray that you'd help me to do a better job. And God, I pray that you would just work uh, in this area of soul winning, of evangelism, of getting the gospel out, of spreading the good news. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, several months ago, um, I was reading through my devotions, and I came across this passage. And I've not been able to get that phrase, that thought, um, out of my mind. We do not well. It was sometime before our... Um, our, our camp and before vacation Bible schools around that time. And so it's a crazy time of year for me. I, I don't know where I'm at half the time during those, you know, couple weeks. I don't know what's going on. And, uh, but God, I think, wanted to burn that into my heart. Uh, and then it just seems like time and time again this has been coming up, is this idea of we do not well, we do not well, we do not well. Uh, and, and this sin of silence, of, of not spreading the gospel the way that we should, you know, there's a lot of sins that we find in the church, and there's sins that we find in other people, and we can point at all kinds of things. But I think one of the most common sins, and really I believe one of the worst sins that we as Christians commit, is this sin. And that's the sin of silence. Uh, so I want to look at this passage and look at some of the things that, about this sin of silence. Take your Bible and turn back to uh, 2 Kings chapter 6. And in 2 Kings chapter 6 and verse 24, we see the beginning of this, this passage of what's going on here. We see this, uh, this, this in verse number 24, it says, and it came to pass, and it says that it came to pass that after this, what had just happened? Does anybody know what had just happened? Elisha was the prophet at the time, and, and, and the Syrians had kept coming, and they kept invading them, and, and, and they kept taking things from them, and, and eventually they got fed up with it, and they came, 
And God gives them this great victory. Uh, Elisha leads them, and, and they, the whole army was blinded. Elisha leads them uh, to the king there, and the king is there. And, and, and he gave them this great victory, and he sent them back. And, and, and God had given this victory. And, and notice what happens. It says, and after this. Isn't that the way it happens sometimes? It seems like you have a great victory. Things are going great. And then what happens? The devil comes. Look at verse number 24. It says that Ben-Hadad, the king of Syria, gathered all his host up, uh, all his host, and went up and besieged Samaria. So we see the first thing I want to look at is the condition of this city, the condition of the city. We see that after all those blessings of God had come, uh, then we have the, the enemy comes with full force. Uh, some of you had a great summer. Some of you had some wonderful things happen at camp. God spoke to your heart. And let me tell you something, the devil's not going to be happy with that. He's going to come with his full force. And notice what happened in the condition of this city. The first thing about it we see is that this city was surrounded. It says that they were besieged. Uh, they were captive. They had no hope of escape. They had this place surrounded. There was nowhere for them to run. They couldn't get away from that enemy. He had them captive. And let me say that Satan, the God of this world, he has us captive. Hey, he has us blinded, the Bible says. And, and, and we're going to look at this passage a little bit later. But 2 Corinthians 4, 4, it says that he has blinded the mind of them that would believe. That's what Satan has done. Satan has us in chains. He has us bound. Uh, Proverbs chapter 5. Look at Proverbs chapter 5. I want you to see these verses with me. Proverbs 5. Look at verse 22. It says that in verse 20, Proverbs 5, 22, his, his own wickedness shall take the wicked himself, and he shall be holden with the cords of his sin. He shall die without instruction, and in greatness of his folly he shall go astray. Let me tell you, this city was surrounded, they were captive, and that's what the devil has this world today. He has them captive, he has them surrounded, he has them in chains. Uh, we see it in chains of addiction. Man, we look out at this world and we, we, see, it. we, see, we see horrible things, don't we? We wonder, why can, why, how, how is that taking place? Why are, that way, are they that way? Well, let me tell you something. It's because the devil's got them besieged. It's because the devil's got them blinded. It's because the devil's got them in chains today. We got them in the chains of addiction. Let me tell you some worse chains, though, that I see today than the chains of addiction is the chains of self-reliance. The chains of believing they don't need God. Hey, that's what this world is to me. I look around and they think they can get on without God. Well, let me tell you, Satan's got them right where he wants them. He's got them in the chains of their self-reliance. And the Bible, uh, talking here in this city, the condition of this city, is this city was surrounded. The world we live in is in chains, young people. They're in chains. Notice the next thing about it. Look at the next verse. It says, and there was a great famine in Samaria. It, th 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 this city was not only surrounded, but it was starving. Notice what it says. It says, behold, they besieged it. They, they had it surrounded. They weren't letting any, anything in. It says, until an ass's head was sold for fourscore pieces of silver and the fourth part of a cab of dove's dung for five pieces of silver. I didn't know what that meant, so I looked it up. That means this. That means that a donkey's head. Now, a donkey was an unclean beast, and a head was the worst part of it that you didn't want, okay? Uh, so for, uh, for an unwanted part of an unclean beast, they were paying $356.86. Can you imagine? That's what it was going for. Now, here we see it says that, they, they, that for a fourth part of a cab of dove's dung, they paid five pieces of silver. I don't understand. I don't know what a cab and a fourth part and all that stuff is. It's not a big amount. But here's the point. They were buying dove's dung. Does that not say enough right there? They were buying dove's dung for $62.21, okay? That's bad. <laughs> all right. They were starving. 
uh, they had nothing to eat. And we laugh about that. It is kind of funny, but we laugh about that. But that's, that's really what was going on in that place. They had nothing. They were starving. And we live in a world that's starving for truth, don't we? Hey, they're hungry. They're thirsty. They're looking for things. They're looking for it in all kinds of places, but they, they're not finding it. They're not finding any kind of satisfaction. They're starving. You know, I think of Amos chapter 8, verse 11, where it talks, the prophet is talking, and he says that the, the time is going to come where there's going to be a famine for the word of the Lord. And I tell you what, our country, our world has got a famine for the word of the Lord, for God's word. There's a famine of it in our land today. You know, there, there are people out there that are really starving, physically. I don't think we understand that much in America. And I'm sure there are people in America, but I don't think we really understand that much in America. You know, we had our vacation Bible school. We brought the food for the kids, and they came, and they needed the food and all that. But there's still a famine. And there are people all over this world that I think are starving. I really, I know that. Uh, and we as a church, we ought to care about that, shouldn't we? Uh, we should, about those in, in Africa and those other places that are starving for food, for physical food. But let me tell you, even more urgently than that, we should care about those that are starving for the truth of God's word. Amen. They need the bread from heaven that can bring satisfaction. They need the living water that can quench their thirst. That's what this world needs. Listen to me. When you go to your school, you are going back to a place where there are people that are starving. They're in famine. They're hungry for God's word. So we see this city was surrounded. We see this city was starving. Notice the next thing. The city was sick. It says in the king, verse 26, And the king of Israel was passing upon the wall, and there cried a woman unto him, saying, uh, help my Lord, O king. And he said, if the Lord do not help thee, uh, whence shall I help thee? Out of the wine, uh, out of the barn floor, out of the wine press. He said, hey, look, if God doesn't help you, how can I help you? He thinks she's asking for food, but she's not asking for food. Notice what she's asking about. And the king said unto her, what aileth thee? What's the problem? Notice this. And she answered, this woman said unto me, give thy son that we may eat him today, and we will eat my son tomorrow. So he boiled my son and did eat him. And I said unto her on the next day, Give thy son that we may eat him. And she hath hit her son. This city had gotten so low, so depraved, so desperate, that they were cooking and eating their own children. What a sick world. Um, you know, I, I would like to think that their children had already died from the famine, and that's the reason they did that. Maybe that's the case, but maybe, they, maybe it's not. Either way, it's a sick thing, isn't it? But before we get too high and mighty to judge them, they were doing it out of desperation. But the world we live in today is doing it out of convenience. They're killing their own children. You know what bothered me? I was, I was, I was thinking about this passage whenever the heartbeat bill uh, came out. You know what I'm talking about, the heartbeat bill in Georgia, where after six weeks, after you can hear the heartbeat of a child, they can no longer do the, uh, the abortion. And, um, and you know what bothered me so much about the, the, that, that, what was going on? I was excited about what, that, I was excited that we were doing that. We passed it. But was, it was the outrage. It was the, 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 the people that were so upset <laughs> that were trying to save babies' lives, the, the, that, that person inside of a mom that's heart is beating, that we wouldn't kill it. That we wouldn't let the mom kill it. Man, that bothered me. But that's the world we're living in. Right. We live in a sick, depraved world that needs Jesus. Notice the last thing here. They were, they were surrounded, they were starving, they were sick, but they were sad. Look at verse 30. 
happened. And it came to pass when the king heard the words of the woman that he rent his clothes and he passed by upon the wall. The people looked and behold, he had sackcloth within upon his flesh. And so we see what happened is this, this king, he shows this sign of mourning and, and, and basically he's saying there's no hope. In verse number 27, look at what he said. He says, if the Lord do not help thee, when shall I help thee? He said, hey look, not even God can fix this. And that's what, that's what the, we live in a sad world that has no hope. Uh, you know, this would have been good if the king was doing this for repentance. That would have been wonderful, right? Second Chronicles seven fourteen. They're calling on Lord to repent. That's not what this guy was doing. All right, he was doing it because he had no hope. Uh, you know, we know that because the next verse, what he said, he says, "And God do so more also to me if the head of Elisha, the son of Shaphat, be not, uh, shall stand upon him this day." He wanted to kill the man of God. You know, so we know he wasn't really repentant. He just was hopeless. And hey, we need some leaders that have some hope today, don't we? Hey, we need some young people that are going to show some hope today. Hey, we don't need to be written our garments and saying there's no hope because there is hope in the Lord. Uh, and that's what we're going to look at the next thing. So we see the condition of the city. We see they were surrounded, starving, sick and sad. But we see the promise of the prophet. Look at this next thing. So we see that Elisha is there. It says in verse 32 that Elisha is sitting in his house with the elders. It's good to know that some people know there's still a place to go find some truth. There's still a place to go and find it. I believe you find it here in the house of God, don't you? With a man of God that brings his word and, and gives it to us. There were still some in that city that knew, I can find hope in the word of God. And so we see him sitting there for Elisha. Well, this king, he sent a messenger to get Elisha, and he's going to have him killed. That's what he was going to do. Well, he says, look at verse number 32. He says, uh, in the middle of it, See ye how this son of a murderer hath sent to take away mine head? Look when the messenger cometh, shut the door and hold him fast at the door. Is not the sound of his master's feet behind him? And while he yet talked with him, behold, the messenger came down unto him and said, Lord, I said, Behold, this evil is of the Lord. What should I wait for the Lord any longer? What is he doing? The, the king and this messenger are blaming God for this. And Elisha, he's not scared. He's still standing up. And notice what he says in verse number, uh, chapter 7, verse 1. Then Elisha said, Hear ye the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord. Tomorrow, about this time, shall a measure of fine flour be sold for a shekel and two measures of barley for a shekel in the gate of Samaria. No longer are you having to buy a, a, a donkey's head. No longer you have to buy a dove's dung. You'll be able to get bread tomorrow. Hey, in the darkest times, this is the promise of the prophet, in the darkest hour, there's still hope in the promises of God. Hey, no matter what condition people are in, no matter what chains of addiction, no matter what chains of self-reliance, no matter how sick this world may be, there's hope in God. Amen. You know, Jesus is that living water that those thirsty souls need. Hey, those people at your school that, that, are, that are looking for all the wrong places for satisfaction, they can find satisfaction in Jesus. Hey, he is the bread of life that comes down from heaven and satisfies that hungry soul. Hey, your family, those people that you know that seem to be captive, He's the one that sets the captives free. He can do it because He is still God and His promises are still true. Psalm 42, 11 says, Hope thou in God. I like that. Just hope thou in God. If we look around, we see the mass shootings. Man, we can get discouraged and depressed, can't we? 
Hey, we see the abortion being rampant. We see the homosexual movement going forward and all that's going on with that. But there is still hope in God. In your school, it might look bleak and dark, but there is still hope in God. In your family, it might look like there's no, there's no out here, but there's still hope in God. When you go to work each day and you think you're the only one on the job that loves God, there's still hope in God. And you know what we need? We need more prophets like Elisha that aren't scared of the king and his messengers. You know what happened in the next verse? It said, Lord, on whose hand the king leaned? Verse 2 answered, said, oh, uh, said um, asked the man of God and said, Behold, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, might this thing be? So he didn't believe him. There's going to be doubters out there. Listen to me. That's going to happen. But don't, don't, don't let that, that keep you from believing God's word. God's word will not fail. You know, the funny thing about it is Elisha said, Hey, You'll see it, but you're not going to eat it. You know what happened to that guy? He got trampled. He, he saw that they had the bread. He saw that they had all that, but he didn't make it because he mocked the man of God. Let me tell you something. God's word will stand. So we see the promises um, of the prophet. Third thing, we see the decision of the desperate. So what happens in verse 3? And there were four leprous men at the entering end of the gate, and they said one to another, why sit we here till we die? So we see the decision of the desperate. There were four guys sitting outside of this, this city. Uh, they were unclean. They were lepers. And they were sitting outside there. And, 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 and they realized that they're dying men. Uh, they're lepers. That's, they, they had no hope. They were dying. And so they decided, hey, look, why are we going to sit here till we die? They got to the place of desperation, and they made a decision that they're going to, they're going to, they're, they're, they, 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 if they went back in the city, they were going to die. If they sat there, they're going to die. They might as well go and die with the Syrians, and maybe God would help them. Uh, this leprosy in, in the Bible is always a picture of sin. And you know what? We need to come to a place of, and this, what this world needs to come to a place of, what, what your family, what, what your, 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 your people at school need to come to a place of is realizing that they're dying people. Sin. The, the, in, in, in James chapter 1, verse 14, it says that when sin hath conceived, bringeth forth lust, lust when it's finished, bringeth for, uh, uh, for sin, and sin when it's finished, bringeth forth death. That's what these lepers realized. They had no hope. They came to the end of themselves. They had no power, no strength to do anything. And hey, that's what we have to come to. We have to come to a place where we know there's nothing we can do Amen. but trust God. Right. Now these guys, they turned to the wrong place actually. It's kind of funny. They decided they're going to go to the Syrians. And, and as they went, they didn't realize this. They got to the place where God was about to step in on the scene and change things. And isn't that the place we want our, our, our loved ones, our, our friends, our family to come to? Hey, that's what it's going to take. And it's not going to take some reformation. It's not going to take them getting, getting some new motivation. It's going to take them coming to the end of themselves and realizing they need the Lord and that's all they can, that's all they can have. That's the only strength they have. And that's where these lepers were. And then the uh, fourth thing here, we see the overthrow of the opponent. Verses 6 and 7. These lepers go up there. And verse 5, they, it says they went to the uttermost part of the camp. Can't you see these lepers? Uh, they, they, they're all raggedy. They're, 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 they're beat up. They're, 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 they've not eaten. They're probably dirty. They're walking up to the Syrian camp, and they're just going to give themselves up, you know. And they walk up there, and there's nobody there. They look around. The tents are empty. It says in verse 6 that the Lord, look at verse 6. What happened? 
For the Lord had made the host of Syrians to hear a noise of chariots and a noise of the horses, even the noise of a great host. And they said one to another, Lo, the king of Israel hath hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to come upon us. What happened? It says, For the Lord hath made. Hey, when there, when there seems to be no way, the Lord will make a way. Amen? Amen. Hey, when it seems like we're at the end of ourselves, there's no, there's no hope then that's when God steps in. That's when the victory can take place. You know, I think that that, that that happened in the fullness of time, didn't it, when Jesus came. Hey, we had no hope of saving ourselves. We're all sinners condemned to die. Uh, we're, all, we're all that Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. But the Bible says in Romans 5.8, but God commendeth His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Hey, that's when we get the victory, when Jesus steps in. In verse number Number seven, it says, wherefore they arose, the enemy arose, and they fled. And let me tell you something, at the name of Jesus, the enemy still flees today. We still have victory in him. Uh, the Bible says in Philippians 2, verses 10 and 11, that at the name of Jesus, every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess. In 1 John 4, 4, let me give you this to encourage you, because it looks dark out there, doesn't it? The Bible says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. The, God still has power to overcome uh, the, the opponent in your life. Hey, in 1 Corinthians 15, 57, the Bible says, but thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. There's still victory in the Lord Jesus Christ. It wasn't victory in the city, the people of the city. They had no means of saving themselves, did they? They might have philosophized. They might have come up with some theories. They might have had some better education. They might have had uh, all of these things to reform it. But they had no power to overcome the enemy. It wasn't the king and his army. The king was walking around on top of the, the wall in desperation, in defeat. He, he, he had already rent his clothes. His army was so small they had nothing that they could do to, to defeat the Syrians. Hey, it surely wasn't in those four lepers. Walk. Can you imagine the Syrians seeing those four lepers walking up the hill? I'm thinking they're scared of them, right? It was only in the Lord that they had victory. And that's the only place we'll find victory. It's when we turn to the Lord. Last thing. And this is what I wanted us to come to. And we'll, we'll preach this real quick. We see, fifthly, the sin of silence. So look with me in verse number 8. It says, and when these lepers came to the uttermost part of the camp, they went into one tent and did eat and drink and carried thence silver and gold and raiment and went and hid it and came again and entered into another tent and carried thence also and went and hid it. So what, can you see it with me? Uh, the Syrians were encamped around the city, maybe up on a hill or something. And these guys are giving up. They, they quit and those four guys, four, you know, I don't know, Bill, John, I don't know what their names were, but they're walking up there to the camp. They're, they're sort of crippled up, these lepers. Um, you know, it, it, they say leprosy would just eat away at your body. And so, I mean, imagine they're not, you know, that healthy. They walk up there and they see them gone. And they walk into a tent. And what do they find? They find food. They find gold. They find silver. They find raiment. Can you imagine those guys, the happiness and the joy? I mean, before, you know, I don't know if they were Baptists or not, but maybe if they were Baptists, they would have got a chicken leg. I don't know what they had. I'm, I'm sure it wasn't. 
It was probably bread and cheese and fruit. But can you imagine them taking that bread and, and they haven't eaten for days and, and, and they're eating dove's dung in the city. They're eating, they're eating donkey's heads in the city. But they have, they have bread and they have cheese and they have, they have juice and they have, and they have fruit and, and they have all of these good things. Because this was the place where the king was dwelling at the time. So I'm sure he had it really good. And they have all these things and they walk in there and, and they're eating it. And they, sit, they look over here, and Bob says to, to, to John over here, hey, hey, John, come look at this. There's gold over here. There's jewels. And they look over here, and, and, and Bob says, hey, 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 John, I've got, they got clothes over here. My clothes are falling apart. They've got clothes over here. And they start to put it on. Can you imagine the joy? They're basking here in verse number 8. They're basking in the bounty and the blessings of the Lord. The Lord had given them victory, and they're, they're, they're excited about it. Can you see the picture of it? This was not their sin. This was actually good. And that's what we should do. Hey, you shouldn't get over the victories that God gives to you. Hey, you ought to be excited about what the Lord has done for you. You ought to praise Him for the salvation that He has given uh, to you. Hey, you ought to, you ought to feast on His Word and, and you ought to enjoy the fellowship and, and all of those things. Those are good. And sometimes we as believers, we, 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 we shy away from that. But we ought to be excited about it. We ought to enjoy uh, You know, I think of the book of Ephesians, the whole book of Ephesians about the riches of Christ uh, in, in, in verse Number three, it says that we are blessed with all spiritual blessings in high places. Hey, in verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 8, it talks about the unsearchable riches of Christ. Listen, do you realize what you have in Jesus Christ today? Hey, you were one of those lepers by the city that had nothing. You had no strength. You were dying. Hey, you had, you had clothes that were falling apart. You had no food. And, 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 and now you have a bounty. You have blessings. You have everything that you need in Jesus. That ought to excite you. Hey, we, 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 we overlooked those things, and that was not their sin. What was their sin? Look at verse number 9. Then they said one to another, we do not well. This day is a day of good tidings, and we hold our peace. This was their sin. This was the sin of silence. It was a good thing to enjoy all those blessings, but they hid it. Look at verse number 8. Twice we see that, that they went and they hid it. It says in verse number 8, they went and they hid it. Hey, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't that they were uh, enjoying the blessings of God, it's that they were selfish about it. They weren't telling others about it. That verse there, it says, we do not wail. I imagine as, as Bill's over here and he's got his, his bread and his cheese and, and he's eating and, 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 and John's over here and he's putting on his new garment and, and I, I imagine that the, the, the one leper says to another, hey, isn't your mother still alive in the city? Hey, John, don't you have a wife and a child that's, that's still in the city? Hey, in your neighbor, they're back there. They're back there eating a donkey's head. Hey, they're back there starving. They're back there with no hope. We do not well. Let me tell you something. Those people at school, your family, your friends. Even your enemies, they need to hear about the gospel. Amen. Notice what it says in verse number 9. We do not wail. This day is a day of good tidings, and we hold our peace. That good tidings, same idea as the gospel, right? What is the gospel? The gospel is the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to look at two, two passages with me, and we'll be done. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Look at verse number 34. This passage, this chapter, 
It begins by saying, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel. So he's declaring the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And in the midst of this chapter, verse 34, or verse 34, yes, look at it. It says, Awake to righteousness and sin not. We're sinning, folks. Sleeping. As Brother Wesley talked about, we're sinning. How are we sinning? For some have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. You know what's a shame? Is that we have the gospel and we're not sharing it. Amen. We do not well. We do not well. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I'm going to do a couple verses there. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 says in verse 1, Therefore, see, we have this ministry. We faint not. We, we, as we have received mercy, we faint not. But we have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness or handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, committing ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. So why is he doing this? Why is, he, why is Paul living the ministry and the life that he is? But if our gospel be hid, what does it say? It is hid to them that are lost. And whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. Notice this verse, verse 6. For who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts. The God that created the world has shined the gospel into your heart. Think about that thought. He cared enough about you. The one that created everything you see cared enough about you to send his son Jesus to die for your sins so that you could be saved. And you accepted. You received that light in your heart. It's a great thought. It's a glorious thought, isn't it? Notice the next part of it. Why? He shined in your hearts. What? To give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Why has he shined in your heart? So that you can shed that light Hey, listen to me. We do not well. Hey, we do not well when we go to school and we don't, we don't tell others about the Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, we do not well when we go to our jobs and we don't pass out tracts and we do not tell others about the Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, we do not well when we don't tell our neighbors. Hey, I know it's awkward, but our family, when we don't let our family know, we do not well. Uh, speaking about this, that 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 34. Paul Chapel, we, we read his devotions, and he had this to say about that, that particular passage. He says, according to recent statistics, the world's population is rapidly approaching 8 billion people. Catch that, 8 billion people. Never before have we seen so many alive on earth at one time. Though the typical lifespan varies greatly from country to country, on average a person born today will live about 67 years. 8 billion people live in 67 years. At the end of each life, whether long or short, lies eternity. And though many teach other concepts, the Bible makes it clear that there are only two destinations for, the etern for eternity, heaven or hell. Charles Spurgeon said this, he said, If there be any one point in which the Christian church ought to keep its fervor as white heat, it is concerning missions. If there be anything about which we cannot tolerate lukewarmness, it is in the matter of sending the gospel to a dying world. What are you doing about getting the gospel to a dying world? As those lepers were there in the camp, they're eating the food, they're, they're, they're enjoying uh, the, 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 the jewels, the, the, the treasures. There are people back in the city dying. And as you sit here, we've, we've had a great service. Praise the Lord. Amen. I mean, I'm excited to hear these ladies sing. 
excited to hear Miss Nikki play. These young men preaching. Man, God has blessed us with all of these blessings. Amen. But there's a city back there where people are diving, dying. There's a city back there where they're eating their children. There's a city back there where there's no hope. But you, you have the hope. Who are you not telling? Who are you leaving back in the city dying in those walls while you feast on the blessings of God? We do not wait. Let's pray. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Musicians are coming. Let's have a word of prayer. We'll close this service. Dear Heavenly Father God, uh, this thought has convicted me. Lord, I pray that you'd help me with this. Lord, as we try to pass out tracts, Lord, as we try and go out and knock on doors, Lord, we pray that you would help us to have a heart beat for lost souls. Lord, as these young people go back to school, Lord, may they see those people. There's some that are in chains of addiction, chains of sin. But Lord, we're all captive to the devil until you set us free. And Lord, may they be that tool that you use, that light to shine the gospel into their lives.